Welcome to the Arthroscopy Association's Arthroscopy Journal podcast. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the Arthroscopy Association or the Arthroscopy Journal. Welcome everyone, I'm Dr. Clay Nelly with TSAOG Orthopedics in San Antonio, Texas. Today I have the privilege of speaking with Dr. Michael Alea, Assistant Professor of Orthopedic Surgery at NYU and Associate Director of the Sports Medicine Fellowship. Dr. Alea was the author on a manuscript entitled The Utility of Oral Non-Steroidal Anti-Inflammatory Drugs Compared with Standard Opioids Following Arthroscopic Menisectomy, a prospective observational study which was published in March 2019 in the Arthroscopy Journal. His co-authors include Dr. Pham, Dr. Pakel, Michelle Yagnitovsky, Mark Kramarczyk, Dr. Strauss, Dr. Jezrawi, and Dr. Campbell. Mike, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, no problem, Clay. Glad to be here. So let's start off with just the main conclusions and the main tenets of the article. Yeah, of course. So, you know, this was really the brainchild of Kirk Campbell, uh, who's one of my partners here at NYU Langone. And he's really been integral in looking at all of our department and division's strategies for minimizing opioid use. So he really came up with this idea of whether or not restricting opioids and perhaps using simply anti-inflammatories as a post-operative pain modality would cause decreased pain, the same patient satisfaction scores, et cetera. So, you know, when, when he came up with this idea, we were all on board, especially given the issues with the, the, so the uh, opioid crisis, which is going on right now in this country. It's all over the news. It's even garnered attention from our president. And when you think about opioids, there's been a lot of issues over the past 10, 15 years. If you look at emergency room visits, uh, they've risen over 100% from 2004 to 2008 with regard to opioid-induced issues. If you look at 2015, there's more than 15,000 United States deaths which involved opioid medication, which was essentially almost half of all opioid-related overdose deaths in the country. So when you think about this, we have an obligation as surgeons, an ethical obligation, a moral obligation to do what's best for our patients and help minimize this issue. So essentially the main tenets of our study was that we randomized patients into two different regimes, regimens rather. Uh, the first one was using uh, simply ibuprofen, 600 milligrams every six to eight hours as needed. And we give those patients 10 tabs of Percocet for breakthrough pain. That was really the first arm of treatment. The second arm consisted of patients just getting Percocet, and we gave them 30 or 40 tabs, as was essentially what our typical practice patterns were here at NYU prior to the institution of this study. Everybody had the same physical therapy, the same anesthesia. We really didn't want to throw in too many torque wrenches with regard to different variables. And what we looked at was, number one, pain, number two, patient satisfaction, number three, adverse effects, and number four, Simply, how many pain medications did you take? How many pills of Percocet did you require after this procedure? And it's interesting, what we found was uh, essentially corroborating with our hypothesis uh, was that we really found no difference in pain scores at really any point after arthroscopic partial menisectomy. We found higher consumption uh, in the opioid group at post-op day one and three to seven, and it trended towards total use as well such that the patient's population that simply received opioids used about five pills over a week, as compared to the group that received anti-inflammatories, which just used about two pills 
patient satisfaction was the same, VAS pain scores were the same, really no adverse outcomes unless you consider simple constipation in the group that received Percocet. But overall, our study really showed that Percocet is not necessary. Opioids are not really necessary after arthroscopic meniscectomy, which is literally one of the most common procedures that we do in this country in orthopedic surgery. Yeah, no question. It is a great study and, and certainly one, as you mentioned, that's extremely relevant, extremely hot topic, not just in orthopedics, but you know, all across medicine. It did kind of surprise me the low number of pain medicine, the opioids that were used in, in both groups. Um, you know, you mentioned the two versus five is that that's a pretty low number. Obviously, arthroscopic meniscectomy is not a major procedure, but even still, it seems like patients sometimes, or maybe we historically thought that patients used a lot more pain pills than they did. Did, did those results surprise you or did any of the other results from the article surprise you and your co-authors in any way? You know, it really didn't surprise us. I mean, when we see our patients for post-op, the great majority of them say they really don't have any pain. You know, I guess the ones that have the most pain are the ones that have big effusions or significant swelling, et cetera. But, you know, those, those issues are really minimal. And you know this as well as anybody. I mean, this is what you practice, you know, sports medicine. I'm sure your patients are probably very similar with regard to their pain levels after the procedure. Absolutely. That's been our experience as well. Certainly, I think we're all trying to minimize our patients' postoperative pain and keep our patients as comfortable as possible after surgery, but we're all actively working to decrease opioid consumption and decrease overall narcotic pain medication use in general um, after both larger procedures and some of these uh, relatively smaller procedures as well. You mentioned that uh, the study has changed some of the practice management and methods at NYU for you and your co-authors. Could you discuss uh, how things have changed for you as a result of this study? Well, I think the great majority of us now are only giving 10 pills to, to each particular patient, um, hardly ever more than that unless there's a real good reason to do so. Some people are not prescribing any Percocet at all, you know, simply anti-inflammatories. And if you're still having pain, give us a call and perhaps we can write you for some breakthrough medications. But, you know, the vast majority of the surgeons here have significantly changed what their practice patterns are with regard to prescription of, of opioid medications. And, you know, if you extrapolate from our study, you're right, the numbers are not huge, five versus two, not a very large actual discrepancy in the amount of Percocets that were used by these patients. But if you look at it from a different way, then the outcome measures become a lot more significant. From our study alone, think about it. If all patients were given 10 Percocets, then 1,200 tabs of Percocets would have been eliminated from the, you know, just being out in public, right? So that's just from 100 patients that we had in this study, you can minimize 1,200 tabs of Percocet, which is a pretty significant number. And if you look at it even further, if you average it out in terms of how much our patients used, even with all those numbers, each patient would still have five pills left over. Yeah, those that's, that's staggering, especially considering, like you mentioned earlier, um, you know, this is this is less than 100 patients in this study, and arthroscopic meniscectomy, as, as you mentioned, is, you know, one of the most, if not the most performed, you know, arthroscopic procedure in this country. So that, the, the numbers get really staggering when you expand it out across, you know, the entire country and the patient population that we have. Absolutely. 100, 100 patients, 1,200 tablets. Did you, uh, was, that, was there any, is there any discussion at your group? Uh, you, you mentioned Percocet for this. Do you guys use that as basically your standard kind of opioid prescription? Is there any uh, recommendation or you guys use anything that would be considered slightly less than that, such as like a Tylenol number three or anything like that? Or is it if you guys develop kind of just a standardized protocol, 10 pills for simple arthroscopies of Percocet? 
going forward? Yeah, I mean, we've we have this, uh, come up with a standardized protocol, which you know I'd be more than happy to share with anyone if if they prefer. Um, but you know, around the country, people can certainly use medications that are less aggressive: Tylenol number three, tramadol, a higher dose anti-inflammatory, perhaps meloxicam, Celebrex. Really, it's dealer's choice. But you know, what we found is that these heavy-duty narcotics are certainly not needed and not really indicated. Is there anything else that you guys have implemented? Um, there's been a couple other nice articles recently come out in arthroscopy and some other journals talking about patient education or implementing kind of like a preoperative patient education form. Uh, do you guys kind of just do that or incorporate that into your preoperative counseling or do you do any type of formal form or anything like that for the patients preoperatively, if not maybe even for a simple knee arthroscopy, but even for maybe some of the bigger procedures that we know are certainly going to have more postoperative pain and may require more postoperative opioid consumption? So, you know, we're really working on it and we're taking it in steps here at NYU because we're also looking at other procedures and how we can maximize multimodal pain strategies and minimize opioid consumption. So, you know, we are in the process of establishing some more patient information techniques. However, all of us have really incorporated a better version of patient counseling in all of our preoperative consultations and preoperative discussions. We're really telling patients, you're probably not going to need these Percocets. We're giving to you giving them to you rather only if you need them. You know, we'd prefer that you use an anti-inflammatory. We'd prefer you use nothing at all. You might be fine with just an ice pack. You know, everybody's different, but the preoperative consultation is key. That education is key. It's very easy to do. It doesn't require a 20-minute discussion, maybe 30 seconds, maybe one minute, but just something to alert the patients that, hey, you're probably not going to need Percocet. Yeah, absolutely. I think you mentioned you hit the nail on the head. Certainly the multimodal is one portion of it. And then, yeah, the patient education. And, and for, for us, it's it's been really about trying to emphasize or change maybe patient expectations or at least in, and help patients with their ex expectations and set that up preoperatively, just like you said, and say, hey, you're not going to need strong pain medications or you're going to do very well with 600 or 800 milligrams of ibuprofen and that's going to do great. And I think if the patient expectations going into it are that, then afterwards that comes to fruition much better. Yeah, and obviously people that you have to watch out for are those patients that were on a higher dose of pain medication prior to the surgery. You know, as you know, those patients may have pain that's a little bit difficult to fight off postoperatively. And in those cases, you can certainly either have a contract with the patient or you can perhaps send them to a pain management specialist beforehand uh, such that they can come up with some ideas to best manage their pain medication postoperatively as well. Yeah, that was actually one of the other interesting findings I found in the study uh, that was pointed out in the discussion section was that the, the patients that did have increased opioid consumption by and large actually had were the ones that had slightly decreased patient satisfaction scores. And so it's interesting that there was that correlation of increased opioid consumption with slightly decreased patient satisfaction scores. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, something we as surgeons also have to take into account here because patient satisfaction, especially with the use of the internet, patient reviews that are viewable for all to see online are certainly, you know, very important because surgeons, I'm sure, are over-prescribing simply for the fact that they're fearful that patients are going to go online and write a bad review about, about them. Oh, this, this physician, this surgeon didn't really take into account my pain level, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, there's a variety of reasons why opioids were over-prescribed, but we have to do our best uh, in order to minimize this epidemic. 
absolutely. We're all we're all uh, have to have to do our part to try and do everything we can to minimize it and and hopefully help our patients going forward. Well, thank you so much for sharing your your thoughts with us, Dr. Alea. Dr. Alea's article titled "The Utility of Oral Nonsteroidal Anti-Inflammatory Drugs Compared with Standard Opioids Following Arthroscopic Meniscectomy: A Prospective Observational Study" can be found in the March 2019 issue of the Arthroscopy Journal or online at www.arthroscopyjournal.org. Dr. Alea, thank you for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. It was great. It's a pleasure. This concludes this edition of the Arthroscopy Journal podcast. Please join us next time.